My name's Isaac Mosqueda, and you're listening to the Rabbit Hole Podcast, a podcast about UFO, supernatural, and uh, unexplained phenomenon. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to or downloading a this episode, uh, giving me another chance. I was a little nervous on the previous one, so hopefully that the hopefully the sounds a little better and my flow is a little better. I promise to uh, be a little less staccato in my delivery. Uh, so last time I talked about some UFO sightings in ancient Rome. Um, uh, this time I want to touch on Japan and some events that took place in China in ancient times, uh, just because I feel like we need to have a more historical view on the UFO phenomenon since it is, uh, not spoken of by historians and, uh, definitely seems like there's a blackout in terms of that information, uh, and I think that it would be helpful if we knew about that stuff because we could use that in examining what we see today. Uh, you know, we don't want to start off with the Roswell crash in the 40s and then just pretend like that's the first time it ever happened or that's the first time anybody saw it. Uh, it seems a lot easier to write off something if you, you know... Say it just started. A uh, couple, you know, that there's people that were born, and when they were born, there were no UFO sightings, and no one ever said anything about it. You know, and then suddenly now everybody wants attention. That's just kind of a, it's a way to not explore something. And, you know, we, we want to foster that curiosity with people. We want people to be curious. We want people to wonder. That's how, that's part of being human, you know? So, uh, anyway, I'm going to, get started here I, i'm thinking of doing like a news uh like the latest ufo sighting uh kind of rundown but uh for now i think i'm going to uh continue with my little these little stories of some of the older ufo sightings that you probably didn't read about in history books or your history teacher probably just happened to not tell you about these <laughs> uh so Let's start in Japan. Uh, this is about 2357 to 2258 BCE. Uh, the reason it's kind of a roundabout number and date is because this is an ancient manuscript, so we get it during the only, it's not really dated as to this day, uh, you know, it doesn't say like, you know, May 24th, uh, 2357 BCE. It's, it's more, uh, we can tell it says that it was done during the Emperor Tom Yo reign. So we kind of know uh, who wrote it. It was Seito Ki. Uh, so anyway, this little manuscript tells us of a divine man who descended from the sky using a monster that was emitting light. Uh, they eventually called this man the Master, and he later changed his name to Tankum. So that is a very interesting little manuscript there uh it's just makes your mind wonder i mean i want to just find out about this the master this is a great story oh and this guy descending from the sky using a monster that was emitting light i'm sure that wasn't a dragon i mean we who knows it's i guess there that is the a possibility uh he could be like the old school daenerys 
just hanging, you know, coming in on her dragon. But the fact that this man ends up sticking around, apparently, and taking a regular name, because I guess the master was a little uh, pretentious, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he just you know this it's just glossed over like that i guess it you know hey the emperor uh tom yo some guy just came from the sky and we're just calling them the master and you know the emperor's like oh yeah sure that sounds great uh, anyway uh what else is going on but i mean this is a pretty cool story and i wish more historians would kind of dig into it but apparently there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of updates on this. Uh, it's just a little manuscript that they found, so we're not going to get to know a little any more about that. But it does make you wonder that if there was some other information, would they let us see it? Who knows? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna question anybody's. Uh, question any any other things. I don't want to bring up any other conspiracies right now. I just want to talk about this little manuscript and some others. So uh, we also have a. Another Japanese, ancient Japanese uh, manuscript from 460 CE. Uh, this took place at night uh, in the Katsuragi Mountain area of Japan. Uh, now, this is another guy who descends from the sky. It's a tall man in a strange cap and tight-fitting clothes. Uh, also on a chariot emitting light. Um, very interesting story i mean that guy just you know i guess he's just another dude that came from the the sky uh you know it was witnessed by a lot of people uh they say so you know this I, we don't have any more information about this guy. We don't get to know what they gave, if they gave him a nickname um, or if he decided to take another name, which I would love to hear about, but we're not going to get to know. Uh, but that's another just interesting story of some guy that descended from the sky. Now, last podcast, I there was a story about an archbishop that sa saved like four people that had came down from the sky as well from a, a, sh a sky ship or a ship in the sky and he prevented them from being stoned to death which was pretty nice you know usually uh especially back in those days they were probably the, the archbishops were probably more inclined to to get you on that stone in party uh and they were to save you so uh but it also you know what did these people look like were they visibly different not human and we didn't really get any clarification on there but uh you know we have here another guy coming from the sky i mean that's that's pretty crazy and it would be awesome if we could learn a little bit more about it uh there's another you know there's not very china has a little more uh information but maybe uh, Japan just the the records weren't kept as well, or who knows? I, I don't really. I couldn't find very many stories about. It. I did find another 1803 uh, sighting, which is like one of their most famous, um, and it's basically the beautiful woman coming out of the sea uh, story. It takes place in 1803. 
uh, February 22nd, a they call it a Utsurubuni, which is a empty hollow ship. Uh, anyway, a lady with pale pink colored skin and red hair. Uh, they a couple of villagers found her out in sea. Uh, now they said the ship had an upper dome made out of glass, uh, which was had pine resin or tree resin to uh, seal, you know, can connect it to the other glass uh, panes. Now, it's a very strange uh, story. Uh, she comes out with a box. <laughs> she comes out with a, a quadratic box so that she doesn't let anybody touch. Uh, you know, she could be doing a, her little seven impression there with her uh, Brad Pitt and then what's in the box thing. Uh, but we never know, which was actually kind of one of the theories that was put forth by one of the villagers, which was said that uh, she had her ex-lovers uh, or ex-husband uh, head in the box because she was banished from her land. She was a princess. and So there's things like that uh, where they really get into the details. Uh, it kind of makes you question a little more because maybe she was a princess from a foreign land. I know it's weird that she had a ship that was round and had glass on top of it, but the fact that, you know, she's this beautiful woman that comes out and uh, has a box and nobody can touch it and then you know, there's two endings to it where she either stays in town and becomes old lady or she uh, heads on, you know, back to sea. Uh, they put her back in the boat or the little ship that she was in and sent her on her merry way, which is, <laughs> I guess, a good way to get rid of her. But, you know, that's just another thing. It's like, what? So they, why would they do that? But, hey, we don't know. Uh, all we know is that this is the story. It's very famous. Uh it's repeated a couple times. Another two years goes by and a similar story happens again. Same thing. Small, uh, pale woman, beautiful, obviously, comes out of the sea. It's just a little too much of a theme, I, I think. And it's a little too... It sounds like a like a bedtime story in a way. You know, like a, like a Little Mermaid type story. Uh, where she, the girl, the beautiful woman that comes out of the sea, which is, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sure back then it was a very entertaining story, but today it kind of doesn't sound like a UFO story. Like, it doesn't say that she descended from the sky in a, a chariot of flame. You know, that would be interesting. She just washes up ashore, and she has a box. You know, she doesn't... It's not really special. I mean, to me, I find this story a little lackluster but it is very famous i wanted to include it because there's a lot of people that talk about it and it is very fun but who knows you know hey maybe she was an alien you know maybe they are beautiful lady aliens that that come from the sky and walk around with a box we never know you know i'm not going to say that they're not they don't exist because because we don't i don't know uh anyway sorry to ramble Let's go to China. So, I'm going to start with a very old one, where uh, Shen Kuo, an astronomer scientist, uh, he, see, he says he sees in 960 to 1127, Song Dynasty, uh, a pearl-like UFO, right? 
uh, in 32 BC, there's the report of two moons appearing in the in the night sky all of a sudden. Um, now, those were you know whatever. Those are kind of good good observations, but we do have and and there's a lot of uh, ancient stories of dragon riders and. Uh, dragon chariots, things that flew in the sky, a dragon emperor, even. So, uh, but th- those are th- those are myths that I don't want to get into because they're not really historically. You can't really like you don't know who wrote them. Basically, like we have better uh, records from actual Chinese historians that have many writings, and this is just one of them. You know, so these guys made their living writing history. And of course, they were going to include these crazy, uh, you know, things they saw in the sky, these ships that were flying around. I mean, it was a major event, right? Anyway, uh, there's kind of a, a better story here from April 13th, 905 AD. And this is during the Tan Dynasty. And this is, um, you know, it's Kai Chi Chang. Uh, this guy had written plenty of books on astronomy. And he basically recorded the stars. And, you know, he's got a lot of books this is from the astronomy record 2 the book of yu tang year 2 so you know this guy wasn't just writing uh, random accounts of ufo's every once in a while this guy was doing serious work here um but let me get to his uh, story cuz it's pretty cool so in the middle of the night a very large star that looked like a dao which is a 10 liter box of grain for those not familiar with your daos uh suddenly appeared in the top of the sky and was floating toward the northwest when it had reached about 30 meters above the ground, it suddenly stopped and remained still. The top of the star appeared to be burning, and red and yellow blazing flames were as high as five meters tall. Later, the star started to serpentine. Wherever had it passed, little stars on its side were moving toward the southwest, southeast, sorry, and they came down like raindrops that soon disappeared. Meanwhile, pale mist rose from the earth like bamboo thickets toward the center of the sky. So, and then Kaiching adds, this could not be a meteor, because meteors cannot pause when plummeting from the sky. In addition, a meteor cannot change direction or serpentine. It had to be a UFO. <laughs> so, we have this guy, like, he's an astronomer. He knows this isn't a meteor. He knows this isn't, uh, you know, something he usually sees in the sky. So, he writes it down, you know, and... He's like, this is something strange. This, I have no idea. So, you know, we, it's got blazing flames. Uh, you know, it floats to the ground. It suddenly stops. Then it goes back up. You know, it's, it's a very strange event. And he knew it was not something normal. Um, uh, we also have a guy named Lu Yin. Now, this took place in 1277. And, um, you know, this guy had a lot, he's, he's a medieval poet and a scholar, so he's not just some random guy either, you know, and, uh, 
he writes about an occurrence at dawn, which he sees. Uh, now, he wants to know what it is. He really does a good job of describing the uh, the actions of this UFO. So I'm just going to let him tell you what he saw. Uh, so remember, this is Lu Yin. Uh, this is 1277. So rising at dawn, I saw through the window a brilliant light crossing the Milky Way. I then saw three glowing objects appearing in the southern part of the sky, two of which flew away, disappearing rapidly from my view. What remained had five unequal lights underneath, while on its upper part I noticed something shaped like a dome. The unknown object began to move in zigzag in a similar fashion to a falling leaf. At the same time, something in flames fell from the sky. Shortly afterwards, the sun rose, but its luminosity was tarnished by the luminous object which moved rapidly in a northern direction. In the western part of the sky, a green cloud was suddenly agitated by another unknown object, which was oval in shape, flat, and was descending quickly. This object had a length of over nine feet and was surrounded by raging flames. It ascended and then descended. In view of this splendid and emotional spectacle, I ran towards the village to alert its dwellers. As my friends walked out of their houses, the flying contraption disappeared. So, (laughs) imagine, like, he sees this whole thing go down, and then he runs to tell everybody in the village, and they're like, oh, what's going on? And they don't even see it. Ah, right? But he wrote down a very detailed uh, description of, of what went down. So, uh, he he even continues, well, after. So he says after a couple of days, right? So this is after a couple of days. He has time to, you know, like let it soak in. So after the event, I reflected a great deal, but I was unable to find a reasonable explanation. I had the impression of leaving a long dream. I immediately wrote down everything I saw so that those who can understand these events can give me an explanation. So... <laughs> This guy writes this down because he knows that maybe, or even hopes that maybe one day someone will tell him or be able to figure out what the hell this guy just saw, you know, and it's like 700 years later and we still can't tell anybody what's going on. Uh, but it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, this is some really good stuff. You, the fact that that these are written uh, in witness events is just amazing. I mean, I really wish, uh, I, I really wish that we could uh, get more explanations from our explanation from our government officials and scientists now. You know, we could because back then it seemed like the scientists like this guy who was an astronomer, um, you know, he wanted to know what he saw today there. There's a a rush to explain what you saw. And it seems back then there was a kind of a, a willingness to let other people in on this mystery in order to solve it. Uh, where we have the opposite opposite today. Uh, but that was a really cool story. Um, I hope you guys liked it. It's a little, uh, one of the little tidbits. It was one of my favorite. Um, there's also a, uh, 
another little story from China. And this was pretty interesting because this was a UFO that actually uh, continually appeared. It was pretty crazy, right? Uh, so much so that people around the country knew about it and would go to see it, which is even more amazing. So uh, in the years of Emperor Jiayu, 1056 to 1064, a UFO as bright as a pearl often made its appearance of the prospering city of Yangzhou of Jiangsu province, particularly at night. At first, the object was seen on a lake in Tianzang County in eastern Anhui and later on the Pishi Lake northwest of Gaoyou County in Jiangsu. Subsequently, it was often seen by the local inhabitants near the Xingkai Lake. So, <laughs> you know, uh, as the pearl often made its appearance in the town of Fanliang in Yangzhou, the local inhabitants, who had seen it frequently, built a wayside pavilion and named it the Pearl Pavilion. Inquisitive people often came by from afar by boat waiting for a chance to see the unpredictable pearl. So we have a lot of people coming to see, like, it's almost like this was even better than Roswell uh, in terms of a destination for UFO hunters and people that were really into the UFO phenomenon. I mean, this was like a guaranteed show almost like, you know, they've named it the Pearl Pavilion. It was like, come see it. You know, it'd be like, it's like a show in Vegas or something. You know, it's just like that. That is, it is so, such a clear record, and it's indisputable. Uh, so it's kind of, I mean, it's just kind of sad that we don't treat these as historical fact. You know, I mean. Another story from the same time is one night, a man living by the lakeside found a shining pearl close by while studying outdoors. The object opened its door and a flood of intense light like sunbeams darted out of it. Then the outer shell opened up, appearing as large as a bed with a big pearl the size of a fist, illuminating the interior in silvery white. The intense silver white light shot from the interior was too strong for human eyes to behold. It cast shadows of every tree within a radius of 10 miles. The spectacle was like the rising sun, lighting up the dis distant sky and woods in red. Then all of a sudden, the object took off at a tremendous speed and descended upon the lake like the sun setting. I mean, <laughs> this is amazing. Obviously, this wasn't a small pearl uh, because it opened its door and a flood of intense light like this, like sunbeams darted out of it. So I'm assuming this pearl is pretty big. Uh, but I mean... We do have a very good record, a very good uh, account from that time. And uh, I don't know, I'm just amazed that we don't get to hear about this very much at all. Uh, and it's really sad because, you know, we got just t probably tons of information that we could glean from these things. And... And and just telling, you know, we could, we could ask these historians, like, hey, what else do you guys know? If only they didn't have the fear of being, of institutional, like, rebuke, you know? And then hopefully 
uh, with explorations like this and, and, and maybe, you know, and the other shows that exist on these theories and, and, and the UFO phenomenon and stuff like that, you know, there's a lot of YouTube channels, there's a lot of, uh, you know, shows and Ancient Aliens is very famous. So uh, I, I hope that they they also cover this because it's really a, in less sensational, less of a sensational look and more of a investigative uh, look at it. That way we can figure out what's going on. And, uh, you know, we don't have to be serious and doom and gloom about it. We can have fun. We can... Uh, we can we can examine these stories and and uh, and figure out what they're all about and relate them to things that we we know in our own pop culture and our own our own uh, just our own experiences and what we've seen too. So uh, hopefully uh, you guys will join me on another uh, episode. I'm going to try and keep these a little short. Uh, and if uh, this is only my second one, so if you guys like it, please let me know. And uh, I'm going to start a Twitter handle pretty soon for uh, the show. And uh, you guys can hit me up on there, and I'll definitely follow you back if you follow me. And uh, let me know how you like it. Uh, Once again, my name is Isaac, and thank you uh, for going down the rabbit hole with me. (laughs) Have a good day, guys. Bye.